0: This episode of the Model Railway Show is made possible with the support of the National Model Railroad Association. With almost 10,000 prototype photos and drawings online, we make it even more fun. Welcome to the Model Railway Show, the little podcast with big ideas, I'm Trevor Marshall, and we're willing to
1: go some considerable distance to seek out those ideas, as you'll hear later in the show. Hi, I'm Jim
0: Martin, Trevor's co-host, co-conspirator, friend, and psychic. This episode pays tribute to the ongoing quest for self-improvement, and tribute as well to lost friends who've had a beneficial influence on the way we think about the hobby. Right, Trevor. On the back half of the show, I'll travel 18 hours west
1: to talk to Gavin Sowery, who has put into motion a rolling tribute to the late Carl Arnt. But first, how do you pay tribute to this great hobby of ours? Doing and improving on your best work might be one way. And as you're about to hear, you may be closer to model railroading's
0: A-list than you realize. Here's Trevor with his guest, Jerry Leone. The National Model Railroad Association has run its Achievement Program since 1961. The program's purpose is to provide benchmarks against which a model railway enthusiast can measure his or her development in the hobby. The program's 11 categories cover various layout building and model building skills, as well as recognizing those who promote the hobby through volunteering, article writing, and so on. Modelers who acquire achievement certificates in seven of the 11 categories earn the NMRA's highest designation, Master Model Railroader. So far, some 450 modelers around the world have become MMRs, including many well-known personages in the hobby. Still, 450 people seems low for a program that's been running for more than half a century, especially given that there are millions of railway hobbyists around the world. Part of the reason for this may be that modelers don't understand the value of pursuing MMR status, or perhaps, despite reading the NMRA's description of the program, they are unsure about how the process works and just what is involved. That's why I'm pleased to welcome MMR 346 to the Model Railway Show. Jerry Leone is the NMRA's Communications Director, but he's here to tell us about his personal journey through the Achievement Program and why you might want to consider embarking on it yourself. Much of Jerry's progress towards MMR status involved his HO scale layout. The Bona Vista Railroad has appeared in several magazines, including Railroad Model Craftsman, Model Railroader, and the NMRA's own magazine, and was featured in Great Model Railroads 2008. Jerry also has a great website about his layout. We'll have a link to that on our website, so be sure to check it out. Jerry, welcome to the Model Railway Show.
2: Well, thanks for those kind words, Trevor. I I appreciate being here, and I'm a big fan of the podcast, so it's a real honor for me.
0: Well, Thank you. I need to congratulate you on achieving your MMR status back in January 2005. What was that day like for
2: you? Well, thanks. It, I'll tell you what, it was pretty memorable. Not only, and I think it was January 16th to be exact, but... My wife and I were escaping the Minnesota winter on the island of Kauai in Hawaii and had brought along our laptop, and that morning I had been checking email and found an email from the head of the Achievement Program in the NMRA congratulating me on being number 346, and I said to my wife, is this a great life or what? We're here in 82 degrees, and now I'm an MMR.
0: That's fantastic, and what a great place to be to find out. Absolutely, it's, uh,
2: absolutely,
3: absolutely.
0: Let's go back a bit then. When and why did you decide to pursue the Master Model Railroader Designation?
2: Well, you know, I had always read about MMRs when I was an NMRA member back in the late 70s and early 80s. It was always one of those things I said, boy, someday I want to do this. So it kind of went on my bucket list. And when I got back into the hobby in 1999 and 2000, there was the bucket list. And, you know, I started on my merry weight on my layout here. And, and one day I kind of got up and said, you know, your eyesight's not getting any better. Your agility's not getting any better. Your dexterity's not getting any better. And you're not getting any younger. When exactly were you planning on doing this? So I kind of set down the exacto knife right then and said, I think this is something I'm going to go for right now, because if not now, when?
0: Well, and it sounds like it didn't take much time then. You said 1999 or 2000, you got back into the hobby, and five years later, you achieved it. Congratulations.
2: Well, thank you. It was a three-year process, but frankly, I tend to be one of these people who jumps into the pool at the deep end, and I kind of do things 100%. So the minute I decided I was going to go after the MMR, I just kind of stopped, literally stopped work on the layout and said, I'm just going to take these certificates one at a time, do what I need to do, and just earn each one until I get the darn thing and then go back to working on the layout, which is exactly what I did. So it was a three-year process for me plus a little bit more because some of the articles that I had written back in the 70s and 80s counted toward my author certificate.
0: Is that a, an approach that you'd recommend to other people then to just grab it and go?
2: It worked for me. You know, I have a real good friend who just got his MMR a couple of years ago, and he had gotten six of the seven certificates over the past 20 some odd years and finally did the last bit of work for his last one. I think it depends on the person. It works for me because I tend to get very focused on one thing, and if I've got a nice goal like that, I can just run toward it. A lot of people need to put stuff down for months and years at a time and get back to it. So I I think it's whatever works for you. There's no time limit on how long it takes to get an MMR, so do what you need to do and and make sure that it's enjoyable in the process.
0: That brings me to my next question then. How did this process affect your enjoyment of the hobby? Did you find that uh, that you benefited from it?
2: Absolutely. I I tend to be a sponge for knowledge, and I will read everything I can and learn everything I can about something. So when you get into the achievement program, you're going to be doing some modeling, and it's going to be judged, and you wind up setting the bar a little bit higher for yourself every time on every model. And the fallout from that was that once, even after I got the MMR certification, you tend to build to that same standard of quality. So when you look around the layout after a while, you realize that both it's improved my modeling immensely the models that i had built before i had been in the achievement program suddenly didn't look as good because they were sitting next to other ones that were had been built much better
0: so now you have a whole bunch of work to do on the layout to go back and bring those (laughs) ones up right
2: and isn't that a great problem to have you know it certainly uh, is
0: were there any unexpected benefits, anything that you didn't expect about the process when you went in or, or about pursuing the various achievement certificates that you said, wow, this is great?
2: Absolutely. I am very much a lone wolf modeler. I'm very much a lone wolf person. And I really had no time for what I considered the social aspects of the hobby. I, I was busy building a layout and I really didn't want to deal with you know all of the social stuff. But one of the certificates that I wanted to work on was the a volunteer certificate and of course that means you're going to start interfacing with people. So I went down to my local Twin Cities division meet and as it turned out they were looking for a newsletter editor. Knowing that I was going to need to volunteer to do something, I volunteered to edit the newsletter and wound up by doing that for three years and along the way met some people and wound up by volunteering to edit the uh, Thousand Lakes region's newsletter for six years and met some people and along the way and, and wound up by volunteering to help out the national NMRI organization and suddenly I found myself with a whole group of friends that I had never intended to make and the people that I met along the way are some of my best friends today and it took me by totally by surprise that I could get as much enjoyment out of the social aspect of the hobby as I've wound up by doing and it was a direct result of the achievement program
0: now there must have also been times though when you were in the middle of this that you asked yourself why the heck am I doing this
2: (laughs) Well, actually actually not because again it was something I I knew I wanted to do it was something I knew that I was able to do right now because I was young enough to do it. And again, as I said, I'm kind of a sponge for knowledge. So going into some of these certificates, you know, uh, master builder cars where you're going to be scratch building a few freight cars. I had never done anything like that in my entire hobby career. I mean the most I'd ever done was glue the brake wheel onto an Atheron box car. And this was now totally uncharted territory for me. And I said, Gosh, this is kind of fun to learn how to do this. Whether I do a good job of it is beside the point. I'm learning the process of doing it and finding out if I'm any good at it.
0: You mentioned the uh, sponge for knowledge a couple of times. Yeah. I, I guess following a program like this for someone like you allows you to actually put some focus onto your modeling, onto those various things, because everything is so good that you it would be easy to be just distracted by all the wonderful world of trains and not get that kind of focus without a program like this to say, okay, you're going to have to scratch build some flat cars now or some box cars or whatever.
2: That's exactly right. I would have never scratch built a freight car in my entire hobby career had I not gone into the achievement program and kind of had to do it. You know, there's another certificate which I did not get yet, and that's Master Builder Locomotive. And this involves scratch building a locomotive of some sort, whether it's a diesel or a steamer or whatever. And this is something that I, again, I have no clue where to start. I can you know go back to old issues of Model Railroad or Railroad Model Craftsman and look at some of those articles. But I'm kind of looking forward to it because it's a challenge that I've never had in this hobby. And had the achievement program not had that certificate, I probably would have never done it. Was
0: there anything particularly difficult about the process to uh, achieve your MMR?
2: I didn't find it difficult, but a lot of people will claim that the paperwork to them it seems to be uh, a little bit overwhelming. And I always kind of smile at that because I'm thinking to myself, you've just got done. Spending 80 hours, 200 hours, 400 hours on a model, what's another hour or two to fill out the paperwork? It's daunting to many people. I didn't find it very daunting because I knew that the paperwork is the only way that the judges are going to know exactly what you did on a model. And if you need to tell them that you scratch built the marker lights or that you added interior details, you need to tell them that in the documentation. You're only doing yourself a favor by doing good paperwork. And again, it doesn't take that long. It, it just doesn't take that long when you've spent so much time building a model.
0: Bringing up the paperwork, that's a great place to talk about your website. I want to call our listeners' attention to one section of your site in particular, and we'll have a link to that, as I said, on our website. So everybody, please go and take a look. Jerry, you've documented your journey under the heading The Road to MMR, and it seems to me like you're trying to take some of the mystery out of the process, and you've included things like the paperwork that you had to do to document your, your model and things like that. You've also written about this process for the NMRA's official magazine. Why did you want to share this journey with other modelers in this way?
2: Trevor, there were actually two reasons. One, when I got into the achievement program, I had never seen anybody else's paperwork and I had kind of no clue as to how much depth to go into or detail to go into. So reason number one was to at least give somebody else a starting point to say, okay, well, this is how this guy did it. This isn't necessarily the only way to do it or the right way to do it, but at least this is how this guy did it. And secondly, when I got my MMR, I got a ton of emails from friends and people who I didn't know saying, How'd you do this? What what did you have to do for that certificate, or 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 was that difficult, or or how did you document this, or how did you document that? So again, I kind of put it all on the website because my website had been fairly popular as far as the number of visits that I would get, and I knew that if there was ever a place to put this kind of stuff, it would be on the website. So again, it's kind of a starting point. It doesn't answer all the questions, but at least it gives them some place to ground themselves and to use as a springboard.
0: I find it interesting that looking through your website. Site that you, you've achieved your seven achievement certificates needed for the MMR, and you've actually now acquired an eighth, and you're pursuing the ninth, tenth, and eleventh. Why are you going after all eleven?
2: Well, I'm a sponge. There are things, again, like I mentioned, locomotive building. This is just something that I would not normally do had that certificate not been, you know, out there for for me to get. And it's a whole venue of learning for me that I'm looking forward to because it's a whole part of this hobby that I've never done. There's another one of the certificates that I have not gotten, which is chief dispatcher. I have never dispatched a model railroad in my life. I know in principle what's involved, but I've not done it. And I would love to do it. And as This is something I just wouldn't force myself to do had that certificate not be out there. So all it is is mileposts, and there are mileposts that I see in front of me saying, well, I've got across that one. I've never been there before.
0: Now, you mentioned the documentation is something that people sometimes have trouble with. Is that a hurdle that people face in trying to become an MMR? Are there any other hurdles that people face? And do you have any advice for people who are maybe in the, in the middle of this process? And from your experience, some advice that would help them succeed on it?
2: One of the hurdles is the involved. It's not a simple process by any stretch, and there's things that you have to do to to get the certificates, and that's just the way the program is set up. However, as far as questions go and that sort of stuff, the man who is the assistant director of the Achievement Program is named Frank Koch, who's been doing this for 10 years, is Always on the other end of an email and his job is to answer questions and I know when I started out I just peppered him with it Frank would it count if I did this well, what about this when it says that what does it mean when it says so there are people out there who are more than happy to help modelers who are getting into the achievement program I mean every master model railroader signs a document that says very specifically I will help other modelers go through the achievement program and I've taken that document very seriously and other other master model railroaders should have too. So yes, there are hurdles of time that nobody can help you with, but there are hurdles within the modeling, within the contest, within the framework of the achievement program that people can help you with. And there's always a master model railroader out there who's more than happy to help people get through it.
0: I imagine that many longtime hobbyists are probably much further along the road to an MMR than they'd expect. Even just looking at your site and looking at what you did, I thought, yeah, I've written a few articles. I can cross that one off my list. But surely just through the process of simply pursuing the hobby over many, many years, people will already have some of the qualifications they need for a number of the required certificates. Any thoughts on that? Is that something that people often overlook?
2: Absolutely. This is one of the things that we find all the time is that you'll have a modeler who's been in the hobby for five years, 10 years, and has a layout in his basement and has virtually done every requirement for, say, the electrical certificate, You know, with the exception of maybe documenting the work that he's done according to the achievement program regulations but he's done the work scenery is another one scenery as i recall you only need to have 32 square feet of scenery looked at by an achievement program judge and 32 square feet is only a four by eight sheet of plywood so a lot of people have done i would bet a majority of the work toward the majority of the certificates. It's just that they haven't looked at the NMRA website and taken it apart and said, like you just said you did, oh, I've, I've done that. Geez, I've done this too. Uh, and, and it's just a question of filling out the necessary paperwork and getting an Achievement Program Director to accept it.
0: So I guess your advice to people would be to uh, document that wiring before they forget how they did it. And
2: uh, well, my, my advice would actually be if you're looking to get the electrical certificate, go on the NMRA. NMRA website and see what the NMRA requirements are to get that certificate and then go back and document it the way those regulations are stipulating.
0: Sounds good. I may have to go to the basement and start. Well, I'll have to start wiring because the layout doesn't even have track down on it yet to start a new layout (laughs) this year. so. uh, But but
2: think about that author certificate, Trevor. Think about the author certificate.
0: I should get writing or do a podcast or something. Maybe so.
2: Wouldn't that be a great idea?
0: Great. Okay. Well, listen, Jerry, it's been a real treat having having you on. Thanks for joining us today on the Model Railway Show to uh, take some of the mystery out of getting an MMR.
2: It's absolutely been my pleasure, Trevor. Thanks for having me.
0: I've been speaking with Jerry Leone, Master Model Railroader 346.
1: Thanks, guys. You know, Trevor, uh, Jerry was, I believe, one of the very first listeners to contact us when we first started the show. And those first words of
0: encouragement from him were a big boost for us. They certainly were. And he certainly has a lot of words of encouragement for anyone who wants to improve themselves. One of the things I really took away from the interview with Jerry was that he did this not because he was looking for the MMR after his name. He did this because he said, you know, this is going to challenge me to do things and take me out of my comfort zone. And he's still looking at doing things like Even though he's got his MMR, he's looking to do all 11 of the achievement certificates in order to get that. So he's going to be doing the master builder of locomotives, Mm -hmm. which is one that frankly, you know, scares the willies out of me. (laughs) So the MMR is not really an objective. It's a journey for him. And it absolutely is. Maybe that's how other people who are standoffish about the whole motion should think of it as well. And the other thing that I thought was really interesting that one of the comfort zones that he had to step out of is that he's generally a lone wolf in the hobby. And, you know, In order to do the volunteering uh, achievement certificate, he had to get involved. He had to go down and talk to the other people in the NMRA. And what he said out of that, the great benefit was that he's met all sorts of fantastic people in the hobby that he wouldn't have met otherwise. Yeah. Great uh, silvery benefit to that. It is. And and actually, it's one of the reasons why we enjoy doing this show because there's lots of people... That we talk to that we otherwise would not. And, and, of course, it's really great to see some of the stuff that they're doing. Yep. And one of the ways that people get to see that is we always ask our guests to give us some uh, pictures for our Flickr gallery. Jerry's contributed a bunch. And so you'll find that on themodelrailwayshow.com. You'll find our Flickr gallery. You'll find our shop where you can buy a, a snappy T-shirt so that people know that you have good taste in podcasting. And, of course, you'll find some interesting links related to the show, including how you can pursue your own MMR. Indeed. And don't forget, you can find us on Facebook. Next up, it's Jim's turn as he dials 6-4. That's the country code for New Zealand. Right, Trevor.
1: Well, almost a year ago now, I had the good fortune to visit New Zealand and the pleasure of visiting Gavin's salary of Lower Hutt, which is just outside the capital of Wellington. Gavin and two of his friends hosted me for a pleasant evening of viewing their excellent small portable layouts in various scales. One of Gavin's friends, Ben Calcutt, was there with a goods wagon in GN-15 scale, and that had been constructed and given to him by the late carl are sadly carl had passed away suddenly the previous month and we all felt a sense of loss carl's huge micro layout website had a worldwide influence on those who like to or have to model in small spaces and because i'm a fan of small layouts i made carl my very first interview when the model railway show debuted in late 2010 Gavin and I have kept in touch, and recently he told me that Ben and he are sending Carl's Freight Car on a worldwide tour of GN-15 layouts. How cool is that? And what a great tribute to the late Carl Arndt. Enough reason to jump all those time zones and chat with Gavin about it. If you're unfamiliar with the scale-gauge combination of GN-15, or are new to the name of Carl Arndt, we invite you, as always, to check out the relevant links to this interview on the Model Railway Show website. Gavin, welcome to the show. It's good to be talking to you in person once more.
3: Hi, Jim. It's good to hear from you.
1: You're enjoying a New Zealand
3: summer, are you? Of course. I um Hope you're having a um, miserable winter
1: over there. Well, yes, you can uh, revel in our discomfort right now. And, of course, uh, we're time-traveling as we speak to you because it's already tomorrow where you are. Please pass on uh, my regards to Ben and also to Michael Gee, the third member of your posse, who entertained me uh, that fine evening back in April of last year. And I'd like to know how and when did you and uh, Ben cook up this idea of sending Carl's uh, little uh, goods wagon on a worldwide tour?
3: Actually, Ben came up with the idea a couple of months ago now, and uh, when I asked him about it, he says, well, I thought it would be fun. So we teamed up to make it all happen. Uh, This sort of thing has been done before so it's not exactly original but this is special in that it's a tribute to a man who has influenced lots of modellers in recent years.
1: Indeed. How many layouts are you planning to uh, visit or, or is it an open-ended uh, thing? Is this going to grow as the car moves around the world?
3: It is actually um, open-ended at the moment but sooner or later I think we might have to put a cut-off date on things so that we can go ahead with our plans to collate all the layouts that we have had photographed and produce a booklet. If there's enough demand of course, we'll um, be looking forward to uh, running a second world tour.
1: Well, yes, and I'm thinking Carl's website has recently been reopened. The uh, new magazines aren't posting with the regularity they did when Carl was alive. But is this something you're going to share with Carl's website?
3: Yes, indeed. There was an issue came out, and in it was the uh, first alert that I sent to the uh, website uh, about this um, upcoming tour. Of course, the tour is now um, well and truly underway. And the next edition apparently will feature the tour again because I've been asked to submit another uh, photograph um, for the site.
1: What's the tour? Where did the car start from, obviously, New Zealand? Where did it go from uh, Lower Hutt? And what's the ultimate destination?
3: Well, the ultimate destination is back at Wellington, New Zealand, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> we have uh, started in Wellington, in New Zealand, been through New Zealand to layouts in Wellington, 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 the Hutt Valley, which is Lower Hutt, Auckland and Christchurch. It's then gone to Australia, it's moved around the states of Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria and only yesterday we got advice from England that the wagon has arrived safely in England for the start of its tour over there.
1: So it's going to uh, obviously the British Isles and to to the continent?
3: Yes, we've had um, expressions of interest from Germany, also from the United States. So once it's gone through the English layouts and the first recipient over there is coordinating five layouts at his end and then there's another half a dozen or so people on the list who will also be doing multiple visitings. So at the moment we're up to um, 20 layouts that it's visited and the way things are going, we expect... We may get up to 40 or 50 layouts all up.
1: Now, has it visited any famous layouts? And by famous, I mean uh, those that would be known to proponents of uh, GN-15 modeling, for example. Any big names in, in that uh, scale gauge combination?
3: Depends what you call um, big names. Yeah, you know, the, the biggest name of all, of course, was the Square Foot Estate Railway, which was Carl's Railway. And of course, sadly, it won't be um, visiting there because, uh, well, it actually originated there. But there's no layout sort of, shall we say, made legend status in the world of model railroading yet, but I'm sure we can fix that over time. But all the main layouts that are featuring on GN-15 are tending to be uh, willing to be involved.
1: Can you describe Carl Arndt's influence on the world of micro layout modelling? What does he mean to you?
3: You know, there are a lot of modellers out there that have obtained legend status, often for one particular layout or a professional involvement in the hobby. Carl was one of those that toiled away for many years unsung, advancing his favourite section of the hobby. When the mainstream model publications made folks aware of his endeavours, things like his books on small layouts and the Small Layout Scrapbook took off and attracted a worldwide following. There's a catchphrase many of them use these days and that's, Carl made me do it. You know, when they're asked on why they're producing such uh, exquisite small layouts. You know, at a lot of our shows, the layouts Carl's influenced, they're usually more popular than the proprietary layouts. Carl was the sort of person that made you feel important. You know, you could write to him offering um, suggestions or contributions to his scrapbook And you were never felt unwelcome. He always made you feel as though you were important. As a contributor.
1: Well, Gavin, I think this tour is an ideal tribute to the uh, wide following that Carl gathered over his final years. It's it's good to see Carl's website is not only being preserved but moving forward, thanks to volunteers who have stepped forward. I do have a question about how the host layouts are chosen and uh, how one gets onto the list for the uh, Cars World Tour.
3: We sent out an open invitation via the GN15 Netterbox website, and modellers wanting to participate just had to register. Uh, Invitation is still open, by the way. can go to another website, which is uh, Ben's direct one, and that is nztrains.com.
1: Okay, great. It'll be Good to see it to come to Canada too. There's some uh, very uh, avid GN-15 sorts in our neck of the woods as well. So, uh, again, this has a, been a, just a great idea that you and uh, Ben have cooked up. I don't think we've actually talked about the wagon itself. Uh, describe it to us.
3: The wagon itself is a little, um, well, shall we say, scale model of a typical 15-inch gauge wagon from a English estate type railway, four wheels, and it's a high-sided wagon which uh, would take, you know, grain. Shingle rock type products, bulk Mm -hmm. products, from one part of an estate to another, and um, tip them into you know any storage piles.
1: And built by Carl Arndt himself, so we have a physical connection to Carl. So
3: yeah, indeed, it is one of the original wagons that actually features in Carl's original article on the Square Foot Estate Railway, which appeared in Garden Railroad.
1: Where might we see a picture of this if if people aren't familiar with the car?
3: Uh, You can see pictures of this on nztrains.com where there's photographs of the wagon on the 20 layouts that it's been to so far. It's also on, you go to gn15.info and click onto the Netterbox website, which is a discussion forum, and there's a thread on there about the wandering estate railway wagon, which is chronicling the worldwide tour.
1: Well, that's great. Uh, We'll make sure those links are included on our website too, Gavin, so people don't have to write this down. While we have you with us, uh, Gavin, can you tell us a little bit about the vitality of model railroads in New Zealand?
3: Well, it's very much alive and well. There are a lot of semi-formal groups. You know, when you came to my place, it was only a portion of our, our semi-formal group, but typical of many parts of the hobbies. But there are also fully fedged national clubs for particular prototypes, and we even have a national association to assist all the clubs and to advance the hobby.
1: So what are some of the popular themes in New Zealand model railroading?
3: Well, you name it, chances are somebody in New Zealand is modelling it. Mainstream, the popular themes are British... European, American, and, of course, New Zealand.
1: Well, because New Zealand's rail network is a modern narrow-gauge system, what are the scale-gauge combinations that work best for modelers there?
3: Well, there are three main combinations. Most popular is uh, S-scale running on HO track. Then there is TT-scale running on N-gauge track and 1 to 34 scale which is actually 9 millimeters to the foot running on O-gauge track
1: It's that synergy that works for narrow-gauge railroading where you can take a scale and take the track work from the next smaller scale and y- you've got yourself in operation uh, Having yeah. been there, I have to say uh, I think the Kiwi rail system has a great paint livery and diesel designs that would look both foreign and yet familiar to North American modelers if they were to visit. Is there mass uh, manufactured models of the New Zealand prototype equipment?
3: Not really. Most incidentally. Uh, modelling is scratch built or kits produced by some of the cottage industry um, type of producers. There's some good stuff out there. The uh, younger generation of producers are turning out um, good stuff with brass etchings and castings using uh, rapid prototyping. Usually there's school required to produce a really good scale model though. Then there's the uh, kitbash or near enough modeller who is catered for quite well by the uh, Brazilian company Fretishi with their not exactly S-scale locos painted in authentic NZ colors. Actually, these far out number the true scale models that like, say, the difference between American flyer and scale.
1: Interesting parallel. Well, Gavin, our time's up. I'd really like to thank you for being with us today and I really do hope the GN-15 tour is a, a knockout success for you and uh, Ben Calcutt and I hope to see uh, Carl Arndt's handiwork visiting our area sometime soon. When did you say all of this is going to come to an end?
3: Well, we haven't really um, <laughs> set a final date but we'd look at uh, two or three months out now. We'll see how things start progressing with the British part of the tour and uh, either give people a hurry up or um, put a cut off date and then go ahead Uh, what we're looking at uh, doing is collating all the stuff and producing um, an album as either an electronic album or being able to download it into a book form
1: Well, Sounds great. We'll check the progress on the websites and Gavin Sowery thanks again for being with us here on the Model Railway Show
3: It's been great talking with you again
0: well, that's really great talking to someone all the way from New Zealand, or New Zedland, I guess, as we call it here in Canada. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, the themes are universal in spite of the vast distances, aren't they, Jim?
1: You know, uh, that's right. Something is foreign until you see it with your own eyes, and then it's, uh, you're immediately comfortable with it. And what struck me about New Zealand railroading was it's, it's a modern narrow-gauge system. Uh, some of the locomotives uh, look like they came from the Montreal locomotive works. They look like Alco designs, for example. And uh, I was watching them do some flat switch with a center cab diesel, and the guy wasn't in the cab. He was using a belt pack.
0: That's Uh, modern narrow-gauge rail. On on a narrow-gauge, kind of like uh, the White Pass in Yukon, if it had survived Mm -hmm, into mm -hmm. uh, 2011. And, and of course, one of the nice things about having a hobby like this is that uh, even though it's practiced in different ways around the world, uh, we can still relate to it. We go to a place like New Zealand, and it's two rails and flanged wheels and that makes sense to us, doesn't right. it? And it sounds and smells the same. Well, good luck to
1: uh, Gavin and Ben uh, getting that car around the world. Carl a uh, little goods wagon. Uh, at least uh, when you're dealing with uh, rolling stock like that, it doesn't cost too much to mail. Don't forget, the best way to listen to the show is by signing up for a free podcast subscription. You can find us on iTunes, podcast.com, and podfeed.net and you'll never miss an episode. Well, you know,
0: it's just about time for us to get out of here. Next time out, we'll have a couple of smooth operators. Lance Mindheim will be back to talk about his new book on operating a modern era switching layout. And we'll also have Don Goodman Wilson. He smooth-talked us into an interview about modeling Japanese prototypes. And as you'll hear, it's a fascinating subject worthy of consideration.
1: As always, our thanks to our technical director, Chris Abbott, our webmaster, Otto Vondrack, and Dave Woodhead, whose music so nicely bookends each and every show. For Trevor Marshall, I'm Jim Martin. Thanks for joining us here on the Model Railway Show. Thank you.